Last week here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we heard about a woman who loved life. Her husband, Gary, told us about her. One day it was raining in Chicago. It's one of my good memories. She ran out into the middle of the street and started dancing. She was like, I'm just happy. I'm celebrating life. Gary and Bonnie moved to Lebanon, where Bonnie served as a nurse among Palestinian refugees. They were there on September 11, 2001, and they stayed among the people they loved in Lebanon, even as things in that region of the world got more and more complicated, with wars in Iraq and Afghanistan heating up. When Gary and Bonnie decided to stay, they were consciously choosing to lay down their lives. And I think we were martyred on that day. Eventually, Bonnie Witherall literally did give her life for the sake of the gospel. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Last week, we heard part one of my conversation with Gary Witherall. If you missed it, I hope you'll go to vomradio.net and listen to that part of our conversation. Again, vomradio.net. It was riveting to hear what it was like to be in Lebanon on September 11th, 2001, Gary and Bonnie had many close friendships in Lebanon. But in the aftermath of the September 11 attacks and the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq that ensued, their ministry became a lot more difficult and complicated. Gary remembers the fateful day when he received news that would change his life forever. Before 8 in the morning, I got a phone call. Bonnie had already gone to the clinic. She would go early that day, I was actually taking the day off. It was a Thursday, I think. Uh, I got a phone call from one of our team, and um, it sounded like she was laughing, like hysterically. You know, that's, I couldn't understand her. You know, but actually, she was screaming down the phone. She just found Bonnie. You know, wow. and um, and it, and it's just like one of my really good friends. You know, and uh, she's like, "Get over here now." You know, and I will tell you, my heartbeat. Why would people bother us, you know? And um, and in fact, anything, they should be bothering me. Right. Like she's there as a nurse helping pregnant women, important work. Okay, so I rushed, got dressed. My first thing was I need some cash to get in the uh, taxi. Now, this sounds like a really crazy thing, but it like – since then, I often think about this one issue. I couldn't find coins because we were following the envelope system of uh, of one of those guys at that uh-huh. time. <laughs> and uh, from uh, this finance guy who had come to Moody. So we were like doing the envelope system. You know? And of course, uh, our finances are pretty strict. You know, We didn't have much. You know, So we were like really careful with the pennies. And in any case, I couldn't find the envelopes. I couldn't get a taxi over. I mean, it was so much anxiety. And then I found these envelopes and I ripped. And of course, it's like against my nature. Like, I've got to be careful to do this because, you know. In any case, I found the money. I ran down. And these taxis are old Mercedes, you know, at the time. And um, and they move slowly through the traffic. And they're all banged up, you know. You got in this taxi. And um, 
got through into the center of town, and it's actually probably about a mile and a half on the other side of town from where we lived, and um, uh, the taxi was going slow in the traffic, and then he pulled in to get fuel, and he pulled into like three or four cars, and they were all waiting to get in, and I tell you, man, I just... uh, I still play the video on my head all the time, but I, I paid the guy the money and I started running. And uh, in that part of the world, people don't run, especially a Westerner, you know, but men don't run, you know. And I started running about a mile. That's the last moment of innocence in my life, you know, and I can look back and define what was innocent and when I was innocent. And then, so I ran and uh, towards this church and there was an ambulance outside that were soldiers by the way, uh, like a few months earlier, Bonnie had miscarried. So we went, we grieved, actually. I saw her grief. And uh, and so I was wondering if something like that was happening again. There were a soldier and he yelled out to me in Arabic, stop with it. his, you know, uh, M16 pointed at me, you know. I, I don't know what, you know, like but my heart and, and my need to go right. rescue my wife. I just pushed him out of the way. He didn't shoot me, thankfully. And I ran through and up the stairs and up on the second floor. And uh, there were already soldiers all over the place. And um, there were two big soldiers. You know, they were normal soldiers. They were perhaps, you know, special guards or so. Special, I don't know. It was a a blurry moment. They picked me up. And in that moment, they picked me up. I could look down through the door. Imagine if the door's open, you could just see, I could see Bonnie laying down. I didn't see her face, thankfully. Although maybe sometimes I wish I did. And then they threw me into this next room. And I mean, at that point, I mean, uh, my adrenaline is like full. But then they said, your wife's being shot. She's dead. This place was only a place of light. Actually, the room I was pushed into was a place that was being used as a, um, a computer training room to help people learn English and learn computer studies um, and at table tennis and it was all for Palestinian kids who have nothing and we're like helping them with learning language, learning how to use computer, learning you know basics for life and it was a wonderful place to be and suddenly I'm in this this wonderful place become a nightmare. How did you even begin to process what had happened and what was going on and where was God in in those moments? I mean, I was on the floor, I mean, weeping. I was falling into like a well, an abyss, a hole without bottom, you know? And although if you know who I am, I'm a, a happy person. And I, a part of me was going, I don't want to be that person because I like Bonnie. I like what we're doing. I'm happy. I don't want to enter into grief. There was this fight in me. And I'm sure a counselor would know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I, I was falling like into an abyss. Anger? No. None? No. Just loss? Just grief? Uh, the yeah, yeah, question, uh, like, how does the mind travel, you know? That's a good question. But not anger. I, I mean, I, I, it was too early to think of anger. But I will tell you, it was a, I mean, with the feelings, that natural feelings would be the sense of protecting your wife, mm-hmm. you know, the inability of doing that. I didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, there was an immediate, over the first few hours, I started processing, you know. And God ministered to you 
even in those times. Can you talk about that conversation with God? I was laying there and I was waiting to die. And um, and then the Lord spoke to me in this. I mean, I'm not into this and I don't necessarily say that this happens all the time. But in this moment, the Lord spoke to me. Gary, a seed has been planted in your heart and this seed will grow and it's going to grow from anger to hatred or it's going to grow from forgiveness to love. You need to choose. And that was the end. That was all. And, uh, and I started thinking about this, you know, I'm like, and thinking I'm about to die the whole time, right? So I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, I want to be able to forgive this, you know? And, um, and in, in my strength, I started going, okay, forgive. Now, I mean, I've been involved in sharing the gospel and the, the power of calling people to forgive for years now already, you know, like I would say more than 10 years, I've been you know, actively sharing the gospel a lot. And, uh, and then here I am needing to forgive. And I was like, well, that didn't work. I am really upset. <laughs> I am really, you know, I am. So you would say the words, but you wanted to feel forgiveness. Well, it's like my 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 realization that I'm not forgiving, actually. And then I said it, okay, if I say it over and over, forgive, forgive, forgive. I mean, my tears, I, mean, I was like, Lord, you know, everything's gone here, you know, how do I forgive this? And anyway, in this moment, I had this picture of looking through the eyes of Christ on the cross. Um and in that picture, and I mean, I can still, it's, it's, a, it's a photocopied in my head now, right. you know, but looking through the eyes of Christ on the cross, blood and tears coming down his face, and he's looking down at me, and in that moment, he says, um, Father, forgive him. Father, forgive him. And, and I realized, probably the first time in my life, I'm forgiven. Everything. For Everything. Everything. And uh, now why is it that God reveals that in that place? And I think that God reveals his wonder in our sorrow. And that's why Paul said, Lord, I want to know you in suffering. I want to even experience you in your death, you know. Not in a sense that we want to embrace, you know, like, you know, we're all going to be suffering, but it's in that nightmare that there's hope, yeah. where it's really bleak, where it's really bleak. I mean, this is like as bleak as a situation could ever be. Losing your wife. I mean, honestly, you think of all the circumstances of life, right? And there you are, you know, um, and, and, I, and I sat in the room where she'd been shot and there's blood all over the place. I mean, there's nothing more bleak than losing your, the one you, you love. And I liked her as well. And, and, um, and that I wasn't able to protect her and, and, and I don't want to lose her. And it was a sort of these uh, tubes. She's dead and these tubes are like bleeding out of me. You know, I'm bleeding and I'm just thinking, I don't want to be here anymore, you know, and, and this. Um, but this, in this moment, the Lord's showing, Gary, I've forgiven you, you know. And, and, and I realized, the, like, actually, there was joy. Isn't that crazy? There was a real joy in my life in that moment. And I said, Lord, you have forgiven me of all things. Today I forgive whoever killed my wife. And it came 
fully, I mean, it was, I don't know, had spirit God on me, his arms around me, I don't know what it was. But from that day, and it's genuine, it's right. genuine. It's not like from that day to this day, I've lived in that victory of really knowing the power of forgiveness. And, and it is powerful. I, I th- it's interesting to me, the picture of seeing through Christ's eyes on the cross is a reminder that forgiveness is not cheap. I mean, it cost the blood of Christ. It cost the blood of God's Son. That reminder, as you're trying to forgive and realizing this is this is hard, this is not easy. What would you say to somebody who's listening now, who's who's in that space of trying to forgive? Something has happened to them. Something's been done to them, and they want to forgive. Maybe they're like you, saying, "I forgive," but I I don't feel anything. I don't feel any different. How would you advise them? Yeah, I mean, I think everything is, the centrality has to be on Christ. And I know it sounds like a pastoral thing to say, but that's the reality. Our strength is not in ourselves. He who is in us is greater than he is in the world. And it's understanding what God's done, what he's done for us, and how much we are forgiven. And if we don't go to that place, it's impossible. It is impossible not only also did I discover that I was able to forgive, I realized to this day it's the greatest gift that I've ever given anybody. I've given the murderer of my wife my greatest gift. And it isn't the life of my wife. It's the forgiveness. And, I mean, Christ calls us to forgive. And as we forgive others, so he forgives us. And that's the testimony. That's the witness. The greater question is, if we want to share our faith to people of, a, of another religion that particularly don't like us, say, and they say, wow, look at this story. Not only did he come just loving the culture and loving us, accepting us for who we are, but in the nightmare, he still forgives then we see a demonstration of what Christ did. Christ came in, loved us for who we are, and then in the mess, he cries forgiveness. And so our lives then begin to be a demonstration of who Christ is. And that ultimately is how we want to live our faith out. What was the response of Lebanese people when they saw that? When they saw, here's Gary, his wife has just been killed, and yet he still loves Lebanese people. He has forgiven the person who killed his wife. How did they process that? I mean, it was news. It was big news, you know. Because they're, they're, that's not an Islamic way. No, and actually the Christians in Lebanon, you know, there was a newspaper. This lady came up to me. She's like, how can you? How can you? You know, she was really mad. How can you, you know? And it was like, actually, I can't. I can't. Jesus did it for me. And I and I think that's where our faith becomes real. It's either a deck of cards or it's the truth. And I would say in the nightmare, God is faithful. And uh, yeah, and I, I think uh, God is God used it. God used it. But uh, I mean it was Talk uh, about that know. a little more because it's, you know, we're almost 16 years down the road now. What what is the fruit that you see uh from Bonnie's sacrifice but also from your forgiveness and from continuing to to be a representative of the gospel there. Yeah, so it's a good question. I, I when I look at Bonnie's sacrifice, I could uh, or giving her life, 
uh, I look at it as Mary breaking the nard and the perfume to Jesus. And actually, what is relevant and what's not relevant? What's relevant in the narrative there is that what she said is, I'm taking my dignity as a woman, a year's salary that separates me from being a slave, basically, and I'm going to break it and become a slave. And we think about women and equal rights today. I mean, it's a big deal, right? And here's a picture of a woman saying, I'm going to give it all away. And I think that everything stops there. We can actually, in the complete act of worship, we just simply look and observe somebody else worshiping God with their life. There is no outcome. Now, of course, there are many outcomes, but that's all very secondary. You know, I felt like um, very clearly I didn't want to be a Christian celebrity. God has called me to people not to be make myself special. Plus, I know who I am. I am and my friends, again, they would... I, you know, I'm not going to become some. Nobody like, calls you Saint Gary, or? right? Exactly. It's not like I'm not going to enter into like, um, and you, you know, you haven't had the chance to be able to uh, interview me in the last 16 years because I'm I'm sharing my faith. You know, I'm I'm back on the streets in different places, and I want people to look at me and go, "He's he's real." Is real and his face real. In fact, why am I even doing this radio station? Except I'm doing it just to testify that God is authentic and uh, and following Him. It's better than waiting for the iPhone 11. I mean, in a few months' time, they're all going to be lining up down there in Dallas or whatever city outside the Apple store, waiting for the new Apple. And I'll say, "Well, look, I got iPhone 6 in my pocket. Man. Check this thing out. It's awesome." And they're like, "That's a piece of junk." The very best of what the world has to offer this year in a couple of years' time is going to be junk. Jesus is new every morning. You know, His, his name is better than Coca-Cola. His name is better than Microsoft, better than Apple, better than the U.S. dollar, better than the next Batman movie, better than the next Tom Cruise movie. And all those things are fun. I'm not against any of that. But Jesus is better because Jesus, you can find forgiveness. Jesus, you can find hope. You can find a peace. You can find joy in the mess of your life. You, someone's listening to here and they're like, their life's just a big mess. Uh, that they can find joy. So I think, what is the outcome of going through suffering? The outcome is this, is knowing that God is faithful. And I can testify that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> right? <laughs> I wouldn't be here. That, well, you'd be like, listen, you're the weirdest dude. You know, you're like a waste of space. No, I can actually say that the, the following Christ really works. What does your life and your ministry look like today? I, you know, I, I want to just be an example. I want to be, um, my story is shocking for people, you know, Christian and non-Christian. I have guys, you know, I live in Europe and guys, and they'll look at me and their eyes will water up when soon they're here. And then they're honest about their mess. Because they know I'm for real, you know. Yeah. So I, I, so I don't. I tend not to mix my words. I, I want to see God do great things in my lifetime, through me, through the testimony God's given me, and but actually also ignite God's work in other people. So I think using my life to, for people to go, um, to also you know be passionate about the Lord. I think there's nothing worse than a boring Christian. There's just nothing worse. And, and, and I think, like, if you can be a follower of Christ, you know, have fun. 
I think Jesus designed it that way. Jesus designed us to enjoy following here. And whether that is going to another country or whether it's going and working in a local Starbucks or working in a bank in New York, whatever it is, that we would have a joy that would give us purpose in our life, you know. Mm -hmm. And a sense of adventure. Sense of adventure. You know, back in England, back in my teenage years, and you would say, hey, Gary, you know, you know, you travel all over the world and meet all these people. I mean, I would never have imagined, you know. So, yeah, I think certainly saying, hey, Lord, I'll follow you in your will gets you into all kinds of crazy places. <laughs> We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Gary Witherall. Gary, as we wrap up, I, I want to talk because the Lord has given you a, a, a wife, a family now, but your wife also has what I might call martyr martyrdom in her family as well. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, um, you know, sometimes you can't explain what's miraculous, right? You just can't explain it, except the Lord's brought... Uh, a wonderful person to my life, and um, we love each other. She's really fun to be with. We have four children. Can you imagine I have four children? It's quite amazing, <laughs> and um, and I love being a dad. And um, her grandfather was one of the guys killed with Jim Elliot. Ironically, it's kind of in the time when we first met, and we were talking, and you know, and, you know, God brought us together in that wonderful moment. Our, our marriage is quite balanced because you imagine it would have been very difficult to remarry for someone and Gary's wife is martyred. Right. And this new lady comes in and it's always she feels somehow can't live up right. to it. You can never be the saint that Bonnie was. Yeah, cause... exactly. And uh, But in this, you know, of course, we've really been very careful to bring a healthy balance, you know. We're very aware of this. But also, she has a legacy on her life that's actually bigger than mine. I mean, you know, if people go, wow, Gary, wow, you know, Helena, wow. You know, it's like, you know, so, and then they kind of, you see people like putting the sort of a Einstein equation together in their head going, oh, you know, like, so I, you know, I try <laughs> to avoid that as much as possible. But just to say that, that, that God has uh, done a, just like the story of Job, done something very beautiful, rebuilding my life. And um, it doesn't mean, I mean, I carry sorrow. I mean, I, I can say hardly a day goes by. And partly the reason is because I'm always sharing my faith like I'm doing right now, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm People probably, like me keep asking you about it. Then. Yeah, and I think that's what God's called me to. But with sorrow is joy. With sorrow is strength. I'm always adjusting as I have to follow and listen to the Lord, right? That kind of picture. If you, do you like telescopes? You I idea? don't, but okay. I know exactly what you mean because the stars move. So the you stars, gotta. So in the sense of of listening to God, you know, we we gotta like align ourselves to what God's saying. You know, align ourselves to being in His presence and being in His peace and um, taking our eyes off ourselves. You know, and so this idea of you know, I'm still in that battle of being a believer and following Christ, but I can certainly say. That the Lord's been faithful to me, even if I haven't been faithful. I experienced that. Yeah. He is ever faithful. People want to know more about your story. You, I know you've written a book. What, what's the title of your book? Um, Total Abandon. Total Abandon. We will give you a link when you come to vomradio.net if you want to order a copy of Total Abandon. Gary, thanks so much for being with us today and, and just being transparent and sharing your heart. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, ma'am.
You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We've been talking with Gary Witherall from Operation Mobilization. If you're just joining us, you can hear our whole conversation at vomradio.net. You can also listen to the first part of our conversation with Gary from last week. Again, our website, vomradio.net. Or you can search for VOM Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can download the brand new VOM app for your smartphone. Just search for The Voice of the Martyrs in your app store. Download that. VOM Radio is part of that. Lots of other resources for you. So download, install that brand new VOM app. I hope you'll be back with us next week. The president of VOM, Cole Richards, is going to be here. He'll be my guest on VOM Radio. We're going to be talking about how American Christians can and should think about persecution, not just as something that happens to Christians far away, but as something we need to think about for our own lives, our own walk with Christ. We're also going to talk about a brand new resource from VOM that helps us think about that and introduces us to seven modern-day Sabina Wormbrands. All of that is coming up next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Podcast Network.